Let us be in an attitude of prayer. Almighty God, you have called us to worship today, and we celebrate this opportunity to worship all together in one place. As one body, with one voice, we praise you and honor your holy name, the name above all names. You reign, O oh Lord, from the furthest reaches of the universe to the innermost places of each of our hearts. Your power and might are worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. We thank you for the most magnificent gift of yourself, your presence among us in the form of your Son, Jesus, who came to walk among us and provide the path of salvation and redemption and to restore our relationship with you, our God and King. Lord, we pray today for each other, for the many joys and celebrations which your people have experienced this past week. And we also pray for those who are in the midst of difficult times, whether it be due to poor health, personal struggles, or those who are in the midst of sorrow and grieving. We know and are grateful that you walk with us in all our circumstances, that you rejoice with us in times of happiness and hold us up in times of pain. Dear Lord, we pray for our community, for those who need a meal or a warm place to stay, and ask that your blessings will be upon them. We pray for any today who do not know you, for those who are seeking, and for those who have lost their way. Help us to be the light of Jesus in our world, to share his love with others, and to reach out to others in your son Jesus' name. And as he prayed, we also pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Our scripture readings this morning come from... Matthew's Gospel and John's Gospel will begin in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then in John chapter 6, verses 28 through 29, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. During Advent, we display and light four candles successfully on an Advent wreath. 
The Advent wreath is shaped in a perfect circle to symbolize the eternity of God. Advent means coming or arrival. During the season of Advent, we celebrate Christ's coming into the world and watch with expectant hope for his coming again. The lighting of the first candle symbolizes hope. The second symbolizes love. And the third candle, which is the color pink in our wreath, representing joy. And the fourth, peace. The larger white candle in the center is Christ's candle. And it will be lit Christmas Eve, reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world. This morning we light the second candle as a symbol of Christ the way. May the word sent from God through the prophets lead us to the way of salvation, which is love. How are we all doing this morning? Great to worship together with all of us, isn't it? Yeah. Just take a moment and look around you today yeah. and see the great blessing that God has brought to each of us in each other. And as we come to worship the Lord God, our hearts are poured out to Him together. I'm going to lead us in a special prayer for Pastor Mike as he prepares to come and share a, a message on this, uh, this incredible day. So would you join me in prayer for our pastor today? Lord God, many things have transpired to lead us to this place. And Lord, many things have transpired, especially Lord, to, to, to bring Pastor Mike Morgan here to this place. Lord, he went to this very school and grew up in this very town, as many have, but Lord, not following you until after he left these walls. And Lord, he returns this morning, today, on this historic day in the life of First United Methodist Church, to deliver a message, Lord, that you have given him. A message to inspire us. A message that is your words. Be with him today, Lord Jesus. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. Anoint him with your power today. In an anointing, Lord, that has been prepared before the foundations of the world for this moment. But Lord, also in our own hearts we seek that anointing, Lord, that comes from the voice of your Holy Spirit whispering to our hearts saying, listen, I'm speaking to you. God, may we all hear what your voice would say to us. We love you, Jesus, and we give you our heartfelt thanks. As we continue to worship, Lord, we believe that you have called each of us to this place. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're all together. I want Pastor Keith to be in the middle right at the beginning of this because we want to see all of you together, okay? So kind of scooch next to each other. Everybody smile. And Keith's going to click away. Shooting was interrupted. Sweep more slowly. Okay. So smile, smile slower. Not like Sheldon on Big Bang. They're pretty. It looks much. great. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to take a, a minute as we start to thank everyone that's put something together for this, from the from the coffee to this music. Wasn't the music awesome? Wow. When the, when the, when the, when the 
heart went high on that one praise song. I was like, whoa, I got tears in my eyes. It was so awesome. So it is so fun to be all together. And I, uh, you know, Keith mentioned in his prayer uh, about the fact that I went to this high school. Of course, we use this building for different purposes than what we're doing today. But I have to tell you one story of kind of my, my life in the gym. You know, I really loved basketball growing up. And during my sophomore year, um, there was a loose ball about right here. Now, I had just gotten done with football, and I mean, it was about right here. And I grabbed it with my hand, and Greg Bice, who is our star player, grabbed it with his hand. And like any good Marion football player would do, I drove him to the floor. <laughs> Gave him a concussion and made a layup at that basket. And when I got off to the side, Coach Sloan walked over to me, and he shook my hands. He says, man, I want to thank you for all the efforts you've done as a Marion basketball player. Thank you very much. And I'm like, What? And he says, you know, I think Coach Schaefer down in the wrestling room would like to talk to you. That's the end of my basketball career. So um, I, I got to uh, watch a lot of games in here, but not really ever play any. So, You know, it's a uh, human temptation. Man, I love that clock. It doesn't work. This is the best, this is the best preaching environment ever. Uh, you know, there's a human temptation when you come into a moment today, when you have your, your bells uh, all set up, when you've got your choir here, when you've got your phenomenal praise singers, when you've got wonderful treats, and, and all of us, as close as we can ever get in one room, are here together. There is this human temptation that comes to your pastor, and that human temptation is to manufacture something. You know, we, we like great moments in our lives. And so there's a human temptation in my heart here to, to want to manufacture, manufacture a moment of renown. A moment that we all point back to. Years ago when I was a youth pastor, Hal Evans, he was a smart guy. He went to Southern Methodist. I just kind of got a seminary GED because I went to the University of Denver. But he, he was saying one day before this big youth rally, he says, we today, he's got his guitar around, you got to imagine Hal, and it was 80s, so he had like lots of earrings, long hair. We today are going to manufacture a moment of renown for the Holy Spirit. I thought, I don't think that's how it works, Hal. I think the Holy Spirit manufactures the moments of renown. But there is that temptation when we have an all-together day, when we have the kickoff to our build campaign, that the temptation is to try to say, this to you is a moment of renown. But we don't know that it will be. You see, the biblical moments of renown were not planned by the people that were in them. You remember Abraham and Isaac? Abraham was just out doing his thing, and the Lord came to him and said, Abraham, Abraham, go to the mountain with your son Isaac, prepare him for a sacrifice, and sacrifice him to me. When Moses was calling the people out of Egypt, and they stood beside the Red Sea and all the people there were terrified because Pharaoh's army was charging down upon them. And the Lord said, Moses, lift up your hands and the seas will part. Moses didn't know when he got there that was going to be a moment of renown. When Peter, following the Holy Spirit, went right into the streets of Jerusalem. And began after Pentecost, after the Spirit had come, began to pronounce the very truth of Christ in the heart of the enemy in Jerusalem. 
He did not wake up that morning saying, I believe I will have a moment of renown today. That's not what happened. See, moments of renown are not manufacturers. Those men that I mentioned did not seek renown the day they got up. Neither was any of them given a mission, and this is important, none of them was given a mission to play it safe, to just stay right there, to let things remain the same. No, these moments of renown for them and those that will come in our lives were built upon lives that were ready for the mission. We've agreed upon our mission of the church, haven't we? Join with me. The mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We've learned it. We've said it. We know the words. And now as we come to this moment when we're all together here at Marion High, we ask the question, is our life built, ready to live the mission? And is our congregational life built? Ready to live the mission. You see, I think there's three essentials that we each need to build a life ready for God's mission. And the first one is where we must always start, and that's accepting. We need to accept Jesus Christ as we claim He is. We need to simply accept Jesus as who He says He is. He is fully human. He comes from a, a family. He has brothers and sisters. And He goes through everything that we do. The joys, the pains, the struggle. Jesus is who He says He is. He is the Son of Man and He is also the Son of God. So He is fully God. He's the second person of the Trinity. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The very presence of God that walks with us day by day. He is the lover of our hearts who knows everything about us. And He's the Lord of heaven and earth who can say to the winds, stop blowing. And to the seas, quit your tumult. And to death, I'm done with you. He is all-powerful. We need to accept first that Jesus Christ is who He says He is. And accept that Jesus Christ has chosen you as His. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that you are forgiven of everything that you've ever done? You're even forgiven 2,000 years ago for those sins that are rumbling in your heart right now in this moment. And you're free to do and be anything. That you believe the Lord calls you to. And you are granted a forever. Which means before you were, God was thinking about you. And during the time that we see you on earth, you are living in the palm of His hand. And beyond the time we see you on earth, you are with the Lord. He has chosen you. Accept this. And so to build a life ready for the mission of God, you must build in acceptance that Jesus is who He says He is. And you are His. And if you haven't, is today your day? Is today your day in a high school gym made into a sanctuary? Is today your day to accept Jesus as Lord and accept that He has chosen you? We need to accept Jesus for who He is. What He says He is. And who He is in His life. And we need to have complete commitment. I mean, the second thing we need to build our lives for mission is complete commitment. Do you think Moses got there with two million Israelites to the side of the, Gal of, of the Red Sea and, and rolled up his, his robe and said, well, before we go in, let's test the water. Shall we test the water to see if it's really parting? No. He said, grab your stuff. Let's go. Let's go. Let's all in. Let, let's get in there. The water's going to be blown back. You've got to commit everything 
to the Lord. I, I was talking to one of our young mothers who had been at, at, at one of the governmental offices recently. And she said to me, she told me this interesting story. She says, you know, Pastor Mike, I was sitting in this office and this woman had three children and they were all running around like children do at those kind of offices. And I just asked her because she was, you know, dog with her, her children. I said, you know, it's just kind of an interesting question, but do you love your children? That's pretty risky, isn't it? Ask another mother, do you love your children? Listen to the response. Because there was something in the way she was acting that generated this response. She says, it all depends. <laughs> it all depends. You know, we might have thought that, but we never believed that about our own children, did we? That sears my soul. It seared her soul. On what possibly could it depend whether you loved your children or not? On what possibly could it depend? And when we ask ourselves, are you completely committed to God? Do you love God with the richness and depths of your heart? We sometimes see, or at least we see, and I see from time to time, that some of we who have claimed Christ as our Lord and Savior might be saying, it all depends. It all depends on what I want. It all depends on what I think I deserve. It all depends on what I need. You see, that is not the complete love and commitment necessary of a Christian. As a believer, we know that a believer completely commits their lives to Christ, not knowing what the results of life will be, not knowing how things will work out. How wonderful it would be if everything would work out the way we wanted it to, but I don't think that would be wonderful. We need things to work out the way God would want them to work out in, in a building campaign or everything else. You know when Abraham and Isaac were going up the hill. Now understand this. Isaac is 12 or 14 years old. That's the age of my confirmation students. They have lots of questions. And Isaac's asking, Dad, we have, we have the wood. We, we have the fire. But where is the sacrifice? To which Abraham says, God will provide. And when Abraham tied his boy to the altar and he raised the knife, he still did not know what God was going to do. He wouldn't have raised the knife if he didn't think God was going to make him pull it down. And yet, God intervened. Because Abraham was completely committed to him. When Moses stood by the side of the Red Sea, you know he's a human being, right? And God says, Moses, hold up your arms and the seas will part. Do you not think somewhere in Moses' soul, he, like us, was saying, really? <laughs> and then, man, this is so awesome. He, he did not know, and yet he stood in front of everyone he knew, unapologetically, completely committed to God, raised up his hand, and that great sea parted. And then swallowed up Pharaoh's army on God's cue. But neither Moses nor Abraham knew how things were going to work out. When Peter stood up and gave the first Christian sermon, take a look at it, it's in Acts chapter 2. When he stood up and gave the first Christian sermon, in which he blamed the Jews for killing Jesus, he was right at the heart of the Jewish empire. He was right there where they all lived, and he was calling them out. Do you really think he knew how it would work out? I mean, goodness sakes, 50 days prior, they had killed his Lord, right there. He had no idea what to do, other than to completely trust the living God. Abraham, Moses, and Peter, they were all in. They were all in for God's mission. And their challenge comes to you 
as well. Are you completely committed to God? Do you love God like it said in that passage that Pastor Keith read a few moments ago? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Do you love God with what we United Methodists say? Our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our witness and service. And if you do and you're completely committed to that, does everybody around you know that? To build a life ready for the mission takes complete, utter, all-in commitment. And if you haven't committed yourself completely to Christ and His mission, you need to be asked by your pastor, is today your day? Is today your day to fully commit to God and His mission? Because if you accept Jesus Christ as who He says He is, you commit your life completely to Him as well. And then as you build a life for mission, there's a third thing that is necessary. And that's resolve. You absolutely have to be resolved. Because here's the facts. Abraham is going up the hill. Now he knows that God's commanded him to, to sacrifice his son. His son is carrying the fire. Abraham's carrying the wood. He says to his servants, stay back. Do you believe those servants that were also faithful to Sarah didn't want to say, whoa, hold on, hold on. We got the same question as a boy. Where's the ram? Where's the sacrifice coming from? And Abraham says, you stay here. You just stay here. And they, they tried to push back, but he says, you stay here. You see, a life built, ready for the mission of God, requires resolve. And mission will never be it will never come to you. It will never come to me. It will never come to a church body, the ecclesia, in this language. I have never met a church that was ever doing anything awesome for God whose mission was, we're just playing it safe. We're just going to stay right here and make sure nothing changes. And yet so many churches have picked that as their mission statement. They don't say that's their mission statement, but their shadow mission is, we're going to play it safe. We're not going to risk anything financially. We're not going to risk anything emotionally. We're not going to risk anything spiritually. We're, we're just going to stay and keep things as they are. Now here's why I believe we need to be prepared with great resolve. We need to build our lives for the mission of God with great resolve. Because the fact of the matter is, as you watch television, as you talk to folks every day, you and I both know that we are living at ground zero right now in the post-Christian age. In our time, we have seen morality decay. We see people on our left and right, front and back, who are absolutely spiritual bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. They're looking for something, but they don't know what they're looking for. And when we say that we might have what they have, they push back. Because that's not politically correct to offer Christ into the void in someone's life. We also know that in this time, if you read the paper, it's been in our own local paper, it's been on the internet, that not only is Cedar Rapids and Marion area one of the worst cities in America as far as Bible reading, we are also one of the places where there are the least number of churches per capita. That is ground zero of the post-Christian age. 
I got an email from a missionary in Africa. Now, this is a missionary that has come to Christ through United Methodist missionaries who were sent over 20 and 30 years ago. And his email says, Pastor, I know you're in Cedar Rapids and Marion. Keep your resolve. We're on the way. They're coming to evangelize us because we've lost our way so much. You, you think it's funny, but listen to this. I, I have a job, so I don't get to watch much daytime TV. But there's this guy named Dr. Phil on. You seen him? Raise your hands. Indict yourselves. All right. Some of you have seen Dr. Phil. At least you know who he is. You ever watch Dr. Phil? He's a bully, man. He, I mean, I, I, I'm okay with him, but he'll be like, somebody will say, well, what's your problem? Well, this is a problem, problem. He says, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You shouldn't be like that. And of course, you know, the children among us are like, you're not supposed to say that word, Pastor Mike. I know, I didn't. Pastor, Dr. Phil did. But Dr. Phil, he's rude to guests on his show. And he tells, he'll say right in there, you need to stop having that affair with someone else. You need to pledge yourself to your wife. You need to do this. I mean, he just comes at him full speed and he's like a blunt instrument, right? I defy you to bring the everlasting word of God into a conversation like that today. You know, if you're out in the street and you say to someone, boy, I'm having, you know, I'm having these problems all that, you say, well, you know what? It says in the scriptures, be still and know that I'm God. It says in the scriptures that suffering comes upon us from time to time, but put your hope in the Lord and you'll be granted character and you'll be given hope. And people will look at you and say, don't bring the Bible in here. Don't bring faith into my problems. Do you know why? As a matter of fact, usually, if you do that, I'm a pastor. Hi, my name's Mike, I'm a pastor. But some, oftentimes when you bring scriptures into the world today, Christianity, people will push back and say, well, you're just a bunch of bigots. You're people that don't love. And so that's not what the God of, of truth, love, and power says. That's not what we're bringing into this thing. The resistance is significant. Did you hear about that kid down in Arkansas? I think one of the one of the guys in the church sent me this story. Kid down in Arkansas, I think it was. She's a cross-country runner. She was running for the state championship. She's one of the top five runners in the state. And she got assigned the, the, the number, you know, that they pin on your shirt that was 666. And since she's a profoundly Christian girl feeling that that's a symbol right out of the book of Revelations of the devil. She said, I, I refuse to wear that. And she and her coach could not convince the High School Athletic Association to, to give her another number, so she scratched. Now let me ask you this. If that had been a person that had no faith, or a person of some of the other faiths that had rejected a number because it was oppressive to their faith, do you not think in the world in which we live that there would have been accommodations made for her? That is the post-Christian age. There is resistance among us. And the resistance is steady and it's strong. And to be ready for the mission, which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, we must build and resolve. So is today your day. Is this the day you build resolve into your life for the mission of God? I know not whether this moment, the moment we gathered in December in 2013, will be looked back upon as a moment of renown. We must allow the Holy Spirit to determine that. 
I only know, and I have no question of the clarity of this, I only know what I have been called to do as your pastor and spiritual leader, to help you build a personal and congregational life that is ready for God's mission, so that when He calls upon us, we will serve the part He desires us to play in the mission that allows that great day to pass, where here in Cedar Rapids and Marion and everywhere, every knee shall bow on heaven and earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. And on that day, the world will be transformed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord our God, we give thanks for opportunities to be together. We give you thanks, Lord, that we can even call a church our home, that we live in a place where still today the laws do not prevent us. So Lord, let our praises ring out from this place. Let our voice not be silenced. Let us clearly accept who you are in our lives, Lord. Accept the fact that you have chosen us. Commit ourselves completely and entirely to you and have the kind of resolve that can come only for you to do the mission that you have built us for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.